0: Hi, everyone. I'm glad that you've all joined us today. I'm really excited to bring this message to you. I hope that it encourages you and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus. My name is Tyler. For those of you who don't know me, I'm an associate pastor here at Vineyard Altoona. Usually, I'm behind the camera, but uh, They decided to give me a try today. I will be continuing our series, Off Limits. This is a series that we're doing with many of the churches here in Altoona. And this is just, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to see many churches coming together, even though we're not all doing the same verses and same passages and maybe some of... uh, different topics, but we're still under the same burden. And this burden is that we desire to see more and more people surrender their lives to Jesus. We desire to see more hearts devoted to following Jesus Christ. Our desire is to believe what Jesus did to live what he said and what he taught and to love who he is. That is our desire. That's what we hope to achieve. And so I have a question for you. Have you ever been Wrong? Does ever, has anyone ever done r- something wrong against you? And you've and you felt this uneasiness in your heart and your soul, this injustice that's been done to you. Have you ever done something wrong to someone else and attempted to justify it, attempted to make an excuse for it, like you've almost earned it? Have you ever wronged someone and then said something like this? Well, they did the same thing to me. When someone gets what they deserve, there's this euphoric feeling that one gets. This justice is hardwired into our very being. We were created to know when things were out of balance. But Jesus reveals to us just how quick we are to satisfy injustice for our favor, in favor of ourselves, and to the detriment of others. What tends to be off-limits in our relationship with Jesus is selfish judgment, selfish justice. As we read today, we'll see how Jesus exposes this wrong view of justice, reveals to us God's intended purpose for it, and how, God, how Jesus establishes his kingdom of justice let's pray Lord Jesus we thank you we thank you that we have an opportunity to hear from you this morning and Holy Spirit I I just pray that you would that you would speak in and through me today, that hearts would be enlivened to you, and that we would see you for who you are. And Lord, that we would seek your justice, your pure, selfless justice, God. And God, would you reveal to us areas of our life. where we are selfish and how we administer justice in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. So for the majority of this series, we've been reading through what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a really important part of the Bible. Because it's a place where Jesus, the center of all of this story, gives us a lens of how to understand, first of all, Jesus, who he is, and why he's even a part of this story. And also, how we are to understand the Old Testament, the history of God's people, Israel, the law, the prophets the wisdom literature, and the narratives. This all details the story of God's people. But littered through this story, literally all throughout the Old Testament, we see that the Israelites, God's people, mess up a lot. They're incredibly inconsistent. They're rebellious. They're corrupt. And sometimes they're even just plain evil. And even some of greatest, even some of Israel's greatest leaders, Abraham, Moses, and David, they all fell short. Even how great they led Israel. They were still unable to bring the promise. And so, at some point along the way, God continued his promise, even after each, you know, Abraham, Moses, and David. Until Jesus. Jesus changed everything for the history of God's people. And so continuing in this Sermon on the Mount, we'll be looking at Matthew 5:38 through 42. As Jesus exposes the teachers of the law, those responsible for communicating God's way of life, for improperly viewing God's justice so we'll take a look at Matthew 5, 38, 42, and it reads like this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you." If you read the Sermon on the Mount all the way through, on the surface, it kind of looks like Jesus is changing the law, like a new code of ethics drawing up a new draft for the Jewish people to follow instead of what they already have. But at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a clarification as his true intentions. Let's take a look at here. Matthew 17 do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus here is affirming virtually all of the written Old Testament. So much so that nothing of what's in the law and the prophets will be done away with. Jesus is making it very clear that he's not superseding the law. He's not changing it in any way. If he were to say this, it would probably sound something like this. You see, I don't have a muffler on my car thanks to Tom <laughs> Tom he's a mechanic around here and um, I brought my car to his house one day and he gave me a litany of areas that my car needed fixed more money that I could come up with and on top of that I had just gotten an inspection on my car and Tom basically said that it was a bum job. It Shouldn't have even been on the road. Now, if I were to fix up my car, which uh, that probably won't happen. If I were to fix up my car and bring it back to Tom. And if you were to say something like this. Well, hmm. Honestly, you probably want to put a spoiler that thing I don't think it's gonna run unless you put a spoiler on there man in fact you might as well put a clean coat of paint on the car or else it's not safe to drive that's absolutely ridiculous Tom had told me before that the certain things that I got fixed was all that was necessary to drive safely on the road this is not what Jesus is trying to do. Jesus is not saying, not putting a spoiler on the Old Testament law or spraying a new coat on the prophets, no. Jesus' inspection sticker is right on the glass of the Old Testament. So, when Jesus quotes the Old Testament like this in the Sermon on the Mount, he's not denying its validity or even its power, but rather exposing the false interpretation and unpious practice of the Pharisees. The law that's stated here, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, was found in the Old Testament. It served as the basis for Israel's way of dealing with justice. The punishment must match the crime, not more and not less. This was justice pure and simple. But this justice was never found in the hands of ordinary people. Otherwise, people would take justice into their own hands. It was always handled by a judge or someone appointed by God to administer matters of justice. The Pharisees during this time, however, chose to interpret this law more loosely, allowing for small matters of injustice to be taken into their own hands. The possibility for revenge was legal with the Pharisees. Ironically, this law was supposed to prevent revenge. This is seen all over the Old Testament. God is the God of justice and judgment. God does not allow vengeance. God is the keeper of justice and judge. It only goes through him not through us because if it were up to us it would always tip to our favor we'd always just want to get enough to feel on top of justice that we would be favored in the eyes of justice the pharisees did just that They interpret the law in their favor. Their justice was selfish. They were not living as God intended during these times, but were seeking to satisfy the injustice in them by diminishing others. But Jesus instead corrects their interpretation and shows us how it would be fulfilled. He showed us how righteousness truly was to be performed. The character of what Jesus describes can only be interpreted as someone who has fully surrendered selfish justice. Someone who not only withholds their urge to satisfy the injustice that's done to them, but practically eggs on even more. Maybe not eggs on, but allows for even more injustice. Is this what Jesus really means? Do we just take on any injustice that would happen to us? I'm sure that those who first heard this were just as surprised as us when hearing it. They were astonished. And they knew that they didn't stand up to the trial. And I think at the end of this, what Jesus expresses in one part of it is that really the Pharisees are unable to join in the kingdom of God. And that means everyone, basically. Everyone is unfit for the kingdom. We are expected to live this out and yet we cannot. Our righteousness pales in comparison to the Pharisees, or at least them at that time, paled in comparison to the Pharisees. This was like flabbergasting to them. And this is why we need Jesus. And this is why he came to fulfill. He didn't come to abolish the law But he came to fulfill it. And in fulfilling it, he would make a way to the kingdom. Jesus in this passage and throughout the Sermon on the Mount is saying this. I am not coming to change anything of the Old Testament. I affirm it instead. I am coming to satisfy the law. I'm not coming to satisfy my own justice. I am coming to satisfy the law. I am coming to see the law to its very end. I'm going all the way to what the law prescribes. Jesus is the truth and revelation that God's justice is not selfish. It's not selfish at all. That God, instead of satisfying himself, instead of satisfying the injustice that humanity has against him, Jesus died an unjust death on the cross so that the law would be fully satisfied and his love for humanity magnified. You see, when Jesus said that he was going to fulfill the law, he didn't just mean he was going to follow it in terms of doing all the mechanics But he was going to do what the law could not do. He was going to take on all of the injustice, all of what the law prescribes. And I think that Paul really does an amazing job at expressing just this in Romans, Romans 8. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, Paul expresses that in order for the righteous requirement of the law be fulfilled, Jesus had to die. Jesus died. So that the righteous requirement of the law, which is death, against a holy God. Jesus was unselfish in his justice. God was unselfish in his justice. And he put himself under that punishment for us. Do you understand this? And the question is... What do we do now? Like, what is, what does this mean for us? What it doesn't mean is that we ignore injustice in the world. I don't believe that this passage, um, condones us to turn a blind eye to evil, but rather it tells us to resist injustice that has been done to us. To resist it and to not blow back, not be quick to satisfy this injustice that we feel. I believe that Jesus is the only way. And I believe that Paul adds to this that we live according to the Spirit. We live according to the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit living in us is the only way, the only way that we can ever follow anything that Jesus said. If we are to exceed that of the righteousness of the Pharisees, Jesus, His Spirit in us, must be in us. For us to walk according to it, following Jesus to the cross of injustice. As I was preparing this message, I felt the Lord say something to me that was just captivated me, it captivated my heart. And I believe God had said to me He said, Tyler, I no longer want to come anymore. I don't want to just come every once in a while. He said, Tyler, I want to stay. I want to stay in communion. I want to stay with you. I want to be with you. I want to be with my people. I want to be with the church. See, what Jesus did on the cross, he was so passionate for us. He was so passionate for us to live the way that God intended, to love him above all and to love people. He desires us so much to live in that way, because that's when he is with us. When we live that way, when we are righteous, when we are made righteous through Jesus and live with the Spirit, he is with us. That's what we look forward to, is that we would be with God forever. That his righteousness would be before us and in us always. So when Jesus says, follow me to the cross, take up your cross, we must follow him in his way. And his way is that we would lay down, we would lay down our need to satisfy immediate injustice against us but that we would follow in his footsteps.